Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. If I cannot crash the stage. Romans 12, 9 through 21 says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves, and instead leave room for God's wrath, because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for in so doing you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. The word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Love this passage. I love this series that we started last week, this idea of being made for more. And uh, just to, uh, to catch you up in case you haven't been here, uh, last week we had a friend, a skeleton on stage named Billy Bob. Billy Bob helped us uh, as we thought about what it means to be the body of Christ. And uh, we challenged uh, one another as a family of believers to be a kneecap, to be a kneecap, to be people that tapped into the strength of the Lord and used it to help uh, propel others towards their life with Christ. And uh, we're pairing this with what we're doing in our community groups, and we're trying to help each person discover who has God created me to be, what has God made me to do, and where does God want me to go to do those things. And so in groups, you're doing that on a personal level, and in the church, we're, we're talking about what this looks like for us collectively as a body. So uh, last week, we talked about being a kneecap. Today, we're going to talk about a do thing, something that we at Christ Community are going to do and that's love outside your gifts. Love outside your gifts. And so I'm excited to, to dig into this. Uh, but it's going to take all of us. So today, if you are sitting on the, uh, your left-hand side of the row, there should be a little stack of papers. Uh, and uh, if there's no one there, the closest person to the left. And uh, you need to pass those down and make sure everybody in your row gets one or at least everybody can, can see one. Uh, those things are going to be helpful to us as we go this morning, all right? It takes, us, it takes a team. Uh, give it up for the person on the far left. And Courtney is leading the way down here in the front. Look at that. If we got, you're like the front row, the person. You're awesome. So Courtney's a team player down here. We got Moose. Moose is playing, all right? Make sure everybody gets one of those. We're going to need those later on as we think about how we, you and I, are going to love outside our gifts. So as we jump into this passage, uh, it's always uh, important to me that uh, you all know that, uh, hey, I'm a pastor elder at this church, 
but I am I'm learning to uh, live out what we read in Scripture just the same. I believe um, one of the gifts that God has given to me is communicating God's Word. Um, in the last three years, I've gone back to school, uh, and one of the results of that has been strengthening some of the tools in, in how I do that and what I'm learning about God's Word myself. Uh, but it's been really interesting. This semester, I'm actually down to just the residency part, and that has freed up a ton of space in our lives, in Caitlin and I's life. And Caitlin and I are using that extra space to try and reconnect re- relationally uh, with many of you, with our church family, with people in our church. And uh, we're just slowly working to spend more unfiltered relational time with people. And you know what's awesome about that is it's, it's reminded me that it really doesn't make much difference in someone's life if I preach a moderately better sermon. Like, it just really doesn't make that much difference. But it does, it does make a huge difference, a world of difference in someone's life when we can just sit together and listen well to one another, pray together, and encourage one another. And, and that's been an affirmation of what I believe we see here in this short passage in Romans 12. And that's the idea that our gifts aren't great when our love is lacking. Our gifts aren't so great when our love is lacking. You could be the most talented fill-in-the-blank in the world. And if you don't love people well, people really don't care. They really don't care. Um, Paul, or Craig Rochelle said it this way, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and so as we think about the, our passage today, Romans 12, 9 through 21, Paul makes all of these really short, punchy statements. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. And he's just boom, boom, boom. He's coming through all these. And you begin to ask yourself, well, why is he doing this? And, and how are we supposed to read all of these in context of what Paul's doing in the letter? So last week, as we looked at the first part of Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about sacrifice, right? He's like, be a living sacrifice because Jesus is transforming your life. So be a living sacrifice and figure out how you've been gifted and, and really ignite that gift. Fan it into flame. Like make it, make it your thing. Know who God has created you to be. But then he, he automatically comes back and he's like, and let love be without hypocrisy. What's he doing? This was a, a word, hypocrite. It was a word, I don't know, maybe you've had this experience. It was thrown around in our youth group growing up all the time. So I grew up in a very small town, and every time somebody did something they weren't supposed to do, you can imagine, right? Teens. Every time somebody did something they weren't supposed to do, uh, then it wasn't long before Wednesday night at youth group, everybody was talking about them, and, and then the phrase came out, they are just such a hypocrite. I mean, they are a hypocrite. And you're like, what does that even mean? Right? And, and, and maybe you talk about the mask that, that Chris talked about today or, or all kinds of different things. But, but we really just like to throw this word out as a defense mechanism. And, and Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy. What is he trying to get at? Why all this talk about how we're created and transformed and, and these gifts that God is giving us and then mashing them up to these punchy commands that challenge us to love outside of our gifts? What's he trying to do? He's trying to remind his readers, and that includes us, that our gifts aren't so great when our love is lacking. 
Church, as we go through this process over the next six to seven weeks where we're trying to discover who God's made us to be, what he wants us to do, the calling he has on our lives, there's this real temptation to end up being super isolated, to be super proud, to to be like, well, you know what? Here's my gift, and anything that's outside of that, that's somebody else's responsibility. Paul says, no, 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 no. Because your gift isn't so great if your love is lacking. You know, it's been amazing to watch what God is... um, stirring up in our church family. Um, it's been a fun week. I, I genuinely lost count of the number of conversations that, that I or some of our staff have had this week that followed these general guidelines. Blake, guess what? Guess what? God has been getting me ready for this series. It was crazy. It was like, I've been looking at these things. I've been reading these things, hearing these things, and then boom, we start talking about this made for more, and it's aligning with what God's stirring in me. And so I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. God's good at what he does. So what's he showing you now? And in general, it's, it's, it's that people are realizing already, like, they're ahead of the sermon. I've got to learn how to love people well in the small moments, in the places that it seems insignificant because of that temptation, right? The temptation is to go on this journey of figuring out who God has created us to be, what he's called us to do, and, and to really just hoard our gifts instead of giving them back. And when we realize that that's our tendency, to lose ourselves in pursuit of ourselves. Think about that. That's our tendency, that as we're searching for ourselves, we lose ourselves in that journey, and we realize that we're made, we, we forget that we're made for more. And when we realize that's our tendency, we also should realize that we need a Savior. Goodness, we need a Savior who is willing to find us and, and course correct. So on our journey to discover how we're made for more, it's important for us to step back And realize, we have to realize part of what made Jesus more. What is it that made Jesus more? You see, Jesus wasn't more because he loved his insiders. Jesus was more because he loved the outsiders. And that was something that was very different. Jesus loving the outsiders is living Romans 12, 9 through 21. It's coming to passages like, bless those who persecute you, and realizing that Jesus did it. It's coming to passages like, don't avenge yourselves, and realizing Jesus did it. And so today, as we think about the fact that Jesus lived out these short, punchy statements that can punch us in the gut, I want us to, to rest in, in three stories two of which retell things, real events in Jesus' life, and a third story that he told to a group of outsiders. They're all from Luke's gospel, and so maybe if you're looking for a place to to jump in this week and and really get into the Word, uh, you can pick up Luke's version of the good news in Scripture this week and read read through it. So the first story that I want to share with you is from Luke chapter 19, and it's about someone who was the people's enemy, the people's enemy. In Luke 19, we read about a man named Zacchaeus. Luke 19, we read that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to Jerusalem because he knew that he was going to be crucified. Let that settle for a minute. He was on his way to Jerusalem because he knew he was going there to be crucified. And he happened to be passing through this town called Jericho. And as he comes into Jericho, there's a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a very rich man, a tax collector, who wanted to know who Jesus was. He was a short guy who had to climb up a tree to see And as Jesus passed by this tree, Jesus called him out. 
He called him out, right? He said, come on down here. I'm going to your house today. No big deal, right? Jesus loves everybody. He does. But this was a huge deal. People were upset and they began complaining that Jesus was going to the house of a sinful man. Because you see, in Jericho, Zacchaeus may have been the tax collector, but that made him an outsider to the crowd. They didn't like this guy. He wasn't a part of their social circles. And what's more, Zacchaeus represented the very government that would send Jesus to his death in just a few short days. So Jesus goes to his house, and while he's there, he makes an interesting statement that we read in Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus wasn't more because he loved the insiders, the disciples that were walking with him. He was more because he loved the outsider. In Luke 22, we read about another one of these stories. Jesus finds himself in a garden. And in this garden, he's surrounded by two groups of people. On one side, his disciples. On the other, a mob coming to arrest him. Unfortunately, we can picture the scene where two opposing groups of people are coming face to face. It would seem logical that violence would be next. One of the disciples asks about a battle. Should we bring swords? And before Jesus can say anything, Peter has sliced off the high priest's servant's ear. It would only make sense in our human brains that Jesus would take the side of his disciples. Surely he's got Peter's back. But instead, Jesus reaches up and pulls the original grandpa's quarter trick. I mean, it would have been amazing. Hey, you got something on your ear. A bunch of blood. <laughs> and it's back on. I, don't, I just would have loved to see the ear. Like, do, do you ever think, that, like, when you read Scripture, do you think of things like that? It's like, man, I wonder what the ear looked like after Jesus did that. Like, was it perfect? Was there still blood on his face? I don't know. But Jesus reaches up and restores the servant's ear. Jesus wasn't concerned about the insider. He wasn't concerned about Peter. He even knew Peter was going to, to doubt and 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 deny him. Instead, he showed radical love to the outsider, the very one who was going to hand him over to the government who would crucify him. And that's what made Jesus more, his love for the outsider. In Luke 15, we read about a story that Jesus tells. Luke 15, 1 and 2 says this, maybe, <clears throat> says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. Those are the outsiders. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they're complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And when all the outsiders were with Jesus and the insiders started complaining, Jesus told them this story. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. And when he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I recently heard a missionary, a retired missionary, uh, teach on this passage. <laughs> he made a very profound statement. He said, You know you've been in church too long, 
because you read this story and you think it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, Jesus leaves 99 to go get the one. Of course, yeah, that's what he does. He said, we've served in Africa for over 30 years. He said, we would go around to towns and we would find sheep herders, goat herders, camel herders. He said, we would go up and we would begin gospel conversations by asking them. We'd tell them this story and we'd say, hey, if you had 100 sheep, if you had 100 camels, if you had 100 goats and you lost one, would you leave the 99 to go find it? And he said, you know, in 30 years of traveling through Africa, there was never a person who said, yeah, makes total sense. He said, no, are you crazy? He said, well, why wouldn't you? Isn't that, isn't that one sheep? Isn't that one camel? Isn't that one goat? Aren't they valuable? He said, well, yeah, it's valuable. But it's not more valuable than 99 and when I leave the 99 to go get the one, guess what's going to happen to the 99? Man. You see, that's just the point. Jesus loves and cares so much for the outsider that he's willing to sacrifice everything, 99, to find one. When he was willing to sacrifice for the 99, sacrifice the 99, that's what made him more. That's what made him more. Our society on social media this week has been encapsulated, engrossed in the story of a guy named Brant Jean. Brant Jean uh, did something incredible. He stood on the stand in Dallas and expressed his forgiveness for his brother's killer, asked for something unprecedented, asked if he could go and hug the woman that killed his brother. And it's amazing to think that he could do this, right? Like, only by the power of Christ. But too often lost in the story is the sacrifice that he was having to make to do this. Because his brother's killer is the one. It blows my mind to think about the pressure that he would have received from others who don't understand his forgiveness. The position that he maybe is putting himself in. What he's losing to forgive her. That's loving an outsider. That's loving someone that's not part of his circle. And if you don't think that threat's real, another man who lived across the hall from Botham Jean was killed yesterday after he went on trial. Are we ready to love outside of our gifts? Are we just on this journey trying to figure out how awesome we are? These little punchy statements, they're tough to stomach if we really let them resonate and sit in our lives. 
But as we go on this journey to figure out who God's created us to be, all these awesome gifts that he's given us, the only way that those stay in balance is if we continue to love outside of our gifts. Paul quotes from the book of Proverbs in verse 20. And he says, But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you'll be heaping fiery coals on his head. Like, hold on, wait, what? This doesn't seem to make sense with the whole rest of the chapter. Like, love your enemy, all these good things, good, like, positive ways to love. And then it's like, and if you do all those things, like, your enemy's head's going to be on fire. Hold on, what? What? So I'm picturing something that seems really far from loving someone. I'm picturing the scene from Home Alone. You, you know it. We've got, a, we've got a picture of it. Yeah, that's... And I'm thinking, okay, hold on. Love outside your gifts, love your enemies, and it looks like this? I, mm, there's got to be something more here. Here was the intent. When these verses were written, homes were heated by fires. Fires were started by hot coals. So to heap fiery coals on someone was to take from your fire. It was to take from your heat source. It was to take from your stove and to give to your enemy this essential part of life, the source of your heat and your ability to cook hot meals. By loving your enemy, you were going to stir up in them, start a fire in them that caused them to stop and to think, why are they loving me like this? This doesn't make any sense. Why are they doing that? And you see, this is, this is important. That's what Jesus is doing for you. Because if you are in your sin, if you're continuing to just kick the ball down the field and, and think you've got your sin managed, you're hiding behind a mask, you think you're doing enough things that people think that you're a good person, if you're just doing that, you are an enemy of the cross of Christ. If you are content to remain in your brokenness or content to just keep doing things the way you've always done them, you are an enemy of Christ. And yet, He is heaping burning coals on you by loving you, reminding you constantly that He's died for you. He continues to send the Holy Spirit your way, tugging and pulling and calling you in. He continues to place people in your path who model Jesus and share Jesus with you. He's loving you while you're still an outsider. What made Jesus more wasn't the fact that he loved the insiders. What made Jesus more was the fact that he loves the outsider. He loves the outsider. Jesus loves you and forgives you as an outsider in every sense of the word in such a way that it stirs people up when they realize just how much he's done for you. And this list in Romans 12, 9 through 21 is the blueprint for how we love outsiders well. This is how we love outside of our gifts. And that's what we're going to do at Christ Community Church. We're going to love outside our gifts. Sure, we're going to discover our gifts and use our gifts and steward our gifts. Yes, absolutely, and we should. But we're going to love outside of them as well. We're going to love like Jesus did. We are more, not because we love the inside people that we're supposed to love, but because we love outsiders in a way that makes people scratch their head. In some ways, I feel like this is the part of the DNA of Christ's community. There's several stories that illustrate this for people, but if we don't keep saying it, if we don't keep calling ourselves to it, it's so easy to end up just falling in love with loving the insiders. Some really practical ways that I've seen it recently. Jerry and Terry Smitha 
have taken leadership of uh, a team of people who are working on making our building better. Y'all, they've been in here every day for the last two weeks doing little things, doing things that nobody else wants to do, doing things that don't require a certain gift. They're just loving outside of their gifts, and they're bringing people with them as they do it. If you want to join them, October 19th, as you see in your bulletin, is an opportunity to do that. Just love outside your gift. It doesn't, you don't have to have a gift to sweep the floor. Last week, there were five people that just approached Katie out of the blue and said, you know what? Sign me up to serve in community kids. Now, I know some of the people that said that to her, and I can guarantee you that some of those people have no giftedness working with kids. I love you. I love y'all, okay? Grace and truth. But I love that they're loving outside of their gifts. Sure, we've got to find our calling. We've got to find what God's called us to do, but we've got to love outside of our gifts. Sam Montgomery, I loved it. Man, he just, like last, like we're all hanging out afterwards. Blah, 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 blah. We get out in the parking lot, and one of the guys who had come to church, who doesn't come to church very often, he was here, and his truck wouldn't start. And Sam took 10 minutes to get his truck started and get him going. Like, you don't have to be gifted to do those types of things. How do we love outside of our gifts? I, I, I think it's so crucial to our story because I look at our founding pastor, Lee Webb. If Lee were standing here today, Lee would tell you, it is not in my gift set to start a church. But he was loving outside of his gifts. He was loving with everything he had and giving his best. You see, every single one of those things happen because those people, their identity is wrapped around the fact that Jesus went outside the gates to die on a cross so that he could forgive them. Their identity isn't wrapped up in what they're doing or what job they have or what title they carry. It's wrapped up in the fact that they're a child of God that was loved by Jesus while they were still an outsider. So how will you love outside your gifts? How will you love outside your gifts? I'll give you a few practical ways, and then we're going to get back to those sheets of paper as we think about what the Lord's calling us to. It may be pledged to pray. We're sitting at 72 streets that we've uh, prayed, prayer walked down. And uh, here's what we're going to do. I've talked with Darian. Uh, during the month of October, we're going to try to make a push to get to 100. And then we're going to put it to bed, and we're going to bring it back next summer because we love what this has done, okay? And so if you haven't done that, you can go grab a magnet off the board before you leave today. Go prayer walk that street. Let somebody, a staff member, or, or post it on social media. Let us know that you prayer walk that street. And here's what's so awesome about this. When you prayer walk, I almost guarantee you, like nine times out of ten, you're going you're gonna to have an opportunity to love outside your gifts. There's going to be a person there that you can just have a conversation with that you can figure out how you can serve. And it has nothing to do with how gifted you are. It may be showing up, uh, loving outside your gifts may be showing up on October 19th to sweep a floor, even though you haven't used a broom in years. Loving outside your gifts may be saying yes to, to leading something that seems outside your realm of leadership. I don't, I don't know what it is. It may be making a commitment to being at Love Shelbyville Day every time, even though you can't pinpoint that group that's like something I'm really good at or something I can do. I'm just here to serve. There are tons of ways to love outside your gifts. In groups this week, I'm going to give you a little preview because as you get previews, I hope that you are taking seriously that commitment to being in a group and figuring out how God has made you for more. We've realized that our ability to love outside our gifts is dependent upon us recognizing that our identity is in Christ, not in what we do. 
It starts with who we are, not what we do. And who we are is something that sticks with us. We can't change who we are. Only the one who created us can. So in groups, you're going to be doing a really helpful exercise where you press back super tangibly into several passages of Scripture that help you realize who God has created you to be. And when you get that identity piece down, you're going to realize that that may not necessarily change what you do, but it certainly changes how you do it. So being in group this week is going to help you gain confidence in who you are in Christ so that when you love outside your gifts, you can be free from believing that what you do or what you don't do defines you. All right. Grab your sheet of paper. That sheet of paper just has the punchy statements. It has the commands that we see in Romans 12, 9 through 21. Detest evil, cling to what is good, love one another deeply, outdo one another in showing honor. On and on it goes. We want you to choose here in a moment. We're going to ask you to choose one of those tangible actions of love that the Lord is calling you to. And we want you to write it on, on these letters that we've got in the back of the room. Uh, on these letters, they, they simply say more. And they're going to be up here on stage for the rest of the series reminding us. They're going to be reminding us that being made for more is always rooted in the love of Christ and, and loving outsiders, loving outside of our gifts. And so I'm going to ask some questions as you look at that list. Man, we're so busy in our world, Right? Our brains are busy. We may even be thinking about 10 things right now. And for the next few minutes, I'm just going to ask five questions as you read down through that list. And I'm going to ask you to do something we don't usually do, and that's reflect. Reflect and invite the Lord to lead you and to say, man, what is, what is the one thing on this list that I really need to, to do to love outside of my gift? Here's the first one. Is there someone that I'm unfairly impatient with? Is there someone that I'm unfairly impatient with? Just continue to think about that. Let me ask another. Is my home my castle or is my home an embassy for Jesus? Are there people in my life that I'm too busy or too important to spend time with? Lord, we just pray that you would continue to speak to us as we reflect and ask these questions. Is there someone that I hope fails? Is there someone in my life that I really hope just struggles? Someone that I don't want to forgive. Are there tasks that I believe I am above doing? And all these questions hopefully are leading us to the answer to this question, which is how can I actively engage my weakness? See, when we start talking about being made for more, it's so easy to forget that it's in our weakness that He is strong. We have to balance that out.
There are times where we pursue our weakness so that Christ can be strong. Because Jesus loved an outsider like me. And since Jesus loved an outsider like me, I will love outside my gifts by what? Which one of those on your list is the Lord calling you to today? As we move into our response time and as the band comes, we're inviting you. There's a, there's a table back here, and they're going to move this table right back here. Uh, simple letters and ink pens. Take a moment to go and write that as your reminder to yourself and as a statement to your church family. I know I need to love outside my gifts. I know I need to, and this is an area where the Lord is calling me to, to do better. As we always do, we're going to respond in lots of other ways as well. If you're a baptized believer, we invite you to take part in the Lord's Supper. And this morning, as you come forward, take a piece of the bread and, and dip it in the juice, you remember that Jesus loved us as outsiders. That before we accepted him, when we were enemies of grace, he had already made us more for the rest of eternity. And we remember that when we take part in the Lord's Supper. We remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. We also respond by giving financially in the back and the silver cans. And we do that not because we have more to give, but because we've already been made more and we recognize that this world is not our home. That what we have is already His. And if this morning the Lord is showing you that, man, I'm living in my brokenness. I'm apart from Christ. I am an enemy of the cross of Christ. If He's revealing that to you, I want to invite you to find me in the back of the room today. I'd be glad to help you pray, accept Christ, to say yes to Jesus. Maybe this morning you know you have a relationship with Jesus, but you haven't stepped into that relationship through believer's baptism. Find me, and let's make plans to celebrate that with our church family. Let's do that together. And then as you finish writing on your letters this morning, as you finish writing how you're going to love outside your gifts, we're going to come back together and we're going to sing it's one of the beautiful things that we do because when we do it, we're doing it together. We're giving praise to the God who loved us while we were still outsiders. So this morning, as we respond, let's think first of the love that Christ gave to us and then let's respond to that love with our actions, loving outside of our gifts. Would you stand with me and I'll pray for us as we begin our time of response. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. You went and sought out a tax collector, an enemy of the people, and you spent time in his home even though everybody complained. You reached up and you restored the ear of a man who would hand you over to your death. You left 99 to come after us. And so, Father, we just pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to follow your example, to love outside of ourselves. Help us to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Convict us where we need convicted. Call us out where we need called out. 
And Father, as we go this week, we pray that you would help us to love well. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Help us to love you more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.